The views and opinions expressed on the Timeless Voyager series podcast are those of the guests and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the Timeless Voyager series podcast or the host, Bruce Stephen Holmes. Hello everyone, this is Bruce Stephen Holmes for Timeless Voyager Radio. And today, the Extraterrestrial Communications Network has shown up in the uh, form of Michael and Aurora Elegian. Welcome to the show, both of you. Glad to be here again. Nice to be here. Um, we have had some very interesting talks in the past, and I thought today we could talk about the hollow earth, and I say theory, but this is not really a theory, is it? I don't consider it a theory. Now, some people who have been studying it, researching it, who are termed scientists, because they're very more left brain in a sense as far as using the word data, might consider it a theory because they've never been there. For myself, I was always very aware of the earth being hollow, that, that as all planets are hollow. In fact, one of the most common forms in nature is a geode. You cut a geode in half, and it's hollow inside and almost the crystalline side. And in fact, information that I've heard stories from people who have gone to Jet Propulsion Laboratory on, on the time when there wasn't too many engineers on duty, and they unofficially admitted that uh, data had uncovered the fact that gravity is about 400 miles down, and that the Earth and the Moon and all planets are hollow, but that they could not officially admit this because they wouldn't get their funding. You see, anything that disputes or goes against the established idea of reality, whether it be Newtonian physics or all the things that we've been led to believe if it's a threat to the power brokers or the established order of things as we have led been led to believe they don't let that information out so uh, kind of an underground movement of information has existed for years uh, and uh, Roy and I have been researching this myself I was able to obtain a copy of Admiral Byrd's secret diary that he kept in 1947 when he penetrated to the polar opening and uh, and it was interesting because for years the officials have tried to deny anything that happened or that he just hallucinated but the fact is, as this diary reports in his own words at the final end of it, how he was so, uh, in a sense, he was in a position basically under military security. He was ordered never to release that information. And uh, Michael and Aurora Elegian, who are incidentally contactees of the human-appearing extraterrestrials. Did I say it right? Right. That's right. All right. Um, but, you know, when we think of the center of the Earth, people get this distorted perception about how big this thing is. I guess it's so big inside, the hollowness, that those who have been inside uh, report that they did not know they were inside the Earth. And, of course, this is basically Admiral Byrd's situation, isn't it? Because the crust being 800 miles thick... So. That's a thick crust, though. I mean, there's no reason that... There's no way that we could determine... Geolo uh, geologically. Well, they've done tests. I mean, there were some mines in Germany uh, that uh, they did a test. I forget the exact name of this test, but by dangling a certain instrument, they can tell by angles and gravity where gravity is exactly. And every time they did this in these deep mines, they found by measuring the angle of ang whatever they were doing that they it are, was... They dangled a weight, basically. dangled a weight, and a bob, and it, by able to tell where it began to where it was, where it was hanging was exactly it penetrated 400 miles down was where gravity was the center, not the center of the Earth, and that the Earth proved that the Earth's crust was 800 miles in thickness by these tests, but again, it has been highly suppressed. Okay, so with this information, people having a willing suspension of disbelief at this point, okay, what do we care if the Earth is hollow? 
And this is where the, the really inf- interesting well, information example, comes through. For um, example, you know, you know, Michael and I are based in Malibu and California here, and and that's that's someplace inside the Earth, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's a funny word. So there's been a lot of sightings here in Malibu, and as well as in Topanga Canyon. In fact, on uh, Hollywood Boulevard. Okay, I'm not gonna, I'm not going to joke anymore. Okay, a friend of ours from um, Topanga was telling us that their friends saw 200 ships recently just last week come out of the mountains there and they're going wow how can we find these openings there in in the mountains well you wouldn't be able to because the ships have interdimensional qualities and they can go from the fourth dimension into the third dimension at will so they usually come out you know in the fourth dimension and then shift into the third dimension if they'd like somebody to see them so they don't need to have uh, ways to get into the center no. of the earth? No, they can go right through the mountains easily. In fact, up in Mount Shasta, there was a case where a man saw this UFO go right through the mountain. It, it literally merged right into the mountain, and it, there was no door opened or anything else. Even though, in depending on how much on a physical level they are, in Mount Shasta, as an example, there are many openings on the slopes of Shasta, and they have altering vehicles. The priests, the inner earth beings who live there, they have uh, 12 major cities inside the mountain, and uh, they come down on the trails through with all all-terrain vehicles. They go in and out of these doors that do open up. All-terrain vehicles? Yeah, well, for, you know, where they were able to go in the more rougher areas, and they come right onto the highways and drive around. So in the fact, earth- when you were there in uh, Mount Shasta, you had an experience of seeing one of the openings there that were, uh, from the ancient tunnel systems. Of course, we all know about the ancient tunnel systems. Well, I don't know all. if everyone knows, so maybe we can well, tell them. Well, I'll just share the story a little bit. Uh, it was interesting. Uh, while I was there, at one point, I'll just quickly mention this, before I found this before I was led for the, to this tunnel, this opening into a tunnel, while I were there in that area of Mount Shasta, and this was in June of 1978, uh, the entire area I was there, except for about a minute or two when this experience happened, it, there was entire cloud cover covering over the top of Mount Shasta. Actually, there was uh, up in Mount Shasta in 78, in the summer of 1978, in June, where a group of us had gone up there, and all during the time we were there, we had been experiencing, been, I was feeling a strong monitoring of the presence of the beings there inside the Mount Shasta. And then for people who are aware of Mount Shasta being the retreat of the Ascended Masters, and there's evidence of the inner earth people having bases and cities there. So while we were there... Now, are these... I, I know that I'm interrupting every once in a while, but people are going to have these kinds of questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, are, are all of these beings extraterrestrial, or are some of them terrestrial, meaning that they belong on the Earth, but we just don't see them? Well, the inner Earth people the, uh, that I'm talking about are members of the Intergalactic Confederation. They are connected with the Ashtar Command, and uh, the they are here trying to... They have been coming to the outer Earth surface to try to help humanity, but they consider the people on the outer Earth very barbaric uh, because of the right. warlike nature. And people down there live at least a thousand years average. So, uh, because they've been interacting, uh-huh. going with extraterrestrial beings, they share their technology, and they have they live in crystal cities, and they have a very, the, in fact, their capital city is known as Shambhala. Now, this and is inside the Earth. Inside though. the Earth, called Agartha Irony. Because and, there are people who say that Shambhala is a is a city which um, is hovering above the Gopi. Well, there was the one that Sanat Kamora, Lord Sanat Kamora, brought from the planet Venus, and it was originally more in the physical level. 
and it was then uh, brought into the higher etheric. The one I'm talking about is the one inside the planet, and then there's also a Shambhala of the capital city of Venus on a higher dimension. Too. So these are, it's kind of like there, there are three Shambhalas. Yeah, it's kind of, a, it means paradise, okay? And, uh, but the Shambhala I'm talking about is inside the planet. Now, Mount Shasta is an important place because like all the major, major big mountains on the outer surface, they are connected by tube train, tunnel systems that lead inside the planet. And in this case, there are 12 major cities inside and below Mount Shasta. So there are different ways to get to this place? To the inner each does each uh, system have its own group of cities? Yeah, most of them have their like own Like when you come cities. from the Himalayan mountains. Is there are there cities a- inside there, too. Right. Retreats, we can call them also. So anyway, while I'm here, I'm watching, and I was in, the, I believe it was the northern part. Uh, there's a, there was a north and south slope of Shasta where there's a parking lot, and there's a ski slope there, and people do it to, who ski. This particular area, I was in a parking lot looking up at Shasta, and the cloud cover parted. Now, the interesting thing about this, because uh, the upper part of Mount Shasta was just covered with snow, and there were some little brown spots and little white spots in some of those, which for the most part I assumed was snow on the brown spots of the ground that was showing, until I saw some of the white spots move. And uh, at that point, I heard the being say to me telepathically, you just saw us move. I could hear it distinctly in my mind. These were the beings that had been watching, some of the beings that had been watching. And about a half a minute later, and it was in, the cloud cover closed over again. And they had done that just to confirm to me that they were there and that they had been closely watching and monitoring our progress as we were traveling around the area. So are you saying they masked themselves as white clumps of snow? No, no, no. They were wearing white robes. Ah, okay. I'm sorry. I didn't explain That's that. That's right. They I were didn't... wearing white robes, and I saw the group of them move. So I knew it wasn't any snow <laughs> moving around. And they then told me telepathically at that moment that, they had, that I had seen them move. So they were confirming their movement telepathically to me. And then uh, about a day or so later... We heard rumors about the fact that there had, was a volcanically formed tunnel that when they were building one of the old highways around the Mount Shasta area that connects between Weed and think Shasta City, uh, that they had found this underground uh, volcanic tunnel. Well, when we went there, and it's right on the edge of the highway with some about three or four concrete pillars around it and a fence, and of course people had climbed down in it, where it was the side of the tunnel was still showing. Now, they tried to say this was volcanically formed, but it was coated with this white surface with kind of like lines where they had coated it with something, and I could feel the energy coming out of that tunnel. That was no volcanically formed tunnel. That was where one of the old tube trains that used to travel, in this case, it was on the outer Earth surface. Usually, they came inside of Shasta, but this was one of those. Now, how long ago do you think these tube trains were being used this is oh well the ones inside are still being used this was one of the few that it, to this for quite a hundred a few hundred years has not been used in fact it was never used since the time of atlantis from what i know when oh so this, this was, is really this the point i'm trying to establish okay. here is time for people this yeah, goes this back was a used long up time. until around twelve thousand years ago when Lemurian Atlantis got into a full scale nuclear war. So this war. is not like a subway in New York. No, no, this was an old tunnel system that was shut down when, at the end of Atlantis, when they got into a partial nuclear war, a missile hit that area and leveled the entire area. But part of the tunnel was still standing, and when they made the freeway, I mean the highway right. through there, they broke into the upper part of it, and they tried to. I was told that geologists and different people were sent in there, and they knew that it was an authentic tunnel because it was closed over in the end, but they, for the official story for the public, it was a volcanically farm. Uh, but it's, it's an important point. We're talking about the hollow earth. Um, you mentioned Admiral Byrd's secret diary. Let's talk a little bit about his diary, because I think a lot of people have heard 
little things about it, but I think it's good to just point out uh, some of the important points that have have never been debunked. No one has ever debunked this stuff. People right. just well, don't talk about it. It's kind of it. like if they can't make fun of it, they'd ignore it. And if they can't ignore it, then they'll debunk it. But the point is they basically ignored it. And it was interesting. I've heard the story from elderly people who received uh, copies of the original uh, version of the National Geographic magazine. When You know how sometimes newspapers will send out an original story, and then they recall all those issues because there was something in it that the police or the government or the officials mm. didn't want people to know. And the National Geographic, I've been told, uh, was participated in a cover-up in relation to the original version mentioned. This was in one of the either May, June, July, August, September of the summer months of 1947. They originally mentioned the official version that Admiral Byrd had in fact penetrated into a warmer area in the North Polar area. And because the government realized they did not want the public to know about it, they recalled all those issues. Now, some people kept them, of course, but they tried to get all of the copies. And then they re-edition—they re, uh, sent on another other issue without the uh, mention of that. And uh, so every now and then I, when I do a seminar and I mention this to people, that somebody might discover one of these in one of their hmm. you know, attics or somewhere, or the original version. And it was interesting because uh, they for officially have even tried to say he never went to the North Pole in 1947. They've been changing. I've talked to undercover operatives and ex-military intelligence people how they've been altering, changing history. Now, what is your definition of an undercover operative? Somebody who either was an intelligence agent whose job it was was to uh, infiltrate, say, uh, espionage in other countries or even domestically spying on people here in the United States, uh, infiltrating groups and organizations. Uh, some of them were in intel military intelligence. Some of them were assassins. But different people Aurora and I have met through our lectures and seminars who've shown up. Many of these people have become very metaphysical because of their shift of consciousness. When you take an oath, oath to uphold the Constitution, and then you take oaths that contradict it, either you become schizoid or you have to ultimately release the information to the public because you can't be a part of a massive cover-up morally. Now, it was my understanding that, that in his uh, trip, what happened was they kept having problems with the compass. Is that correct? I mean, having- when he first started going through the lip of the polar opening, the sun come all of the com- all the instruments started going haywire. They started acting very strange. And then eventually, after he went over the lip of the polar opening, things kind of balanced out as he continued to true north. And at this point, he couldn't see the sun anymore. I, wish I, had, say, I wish I had it in front of me because well, I'd read some portions of it. You call it the, the well, this is important stuff because right. a lot of people are not familiar with some of these terms. Now, the polar opening, this is the point that I'm trying to make. There is an opening, That's right. an right. ordinary opening that people can use to go right into the into the center of the earth and what my question is of course i I feel that that aurora is getting ready to talk but my my question and we can and we can discuss this somehow there are pictures that have been taken through polar orbits of the satellites of this area that's right and we but they're constantly what we distribute in fact we distribute that information along with the diary um and people, of course, will be able to contact us if they'd like to, too. We'll be giving out that oh, because information. because you're, you're contactees. Of course they can contact you. <laughs> so, um, yes, well, the Aurora Borealis, so, of course, I have to comment on that, uh, is created by the intergaseous sun shining through the Van Allen belt. Through the at, opening. Through the opening at the Van Allen Belt there at the um, at the at the top at the pole. So you're at saying the bottom a, of the pole. Aurora Borealis comes out of the center of the earth from the center sun that's right and it it's like what like it shines rays? out through the opening there at at the north pole 
and the opening at the South Pole, and it creates this effect of a, a beautiful visual effect that we see. Now, what does science tell us? Lovely it is? colored. Uh, well, science has another theory of it. Uh, you know, it's different as uh, time goes on. Uh, I think their scientific explanation is something about the the molecules there in that area. Uh, just happened to give off that color. Did you have some? Well, to say officially, like that? they've tried to say it's some kind of magnetic phenomena, but anyone who goes to that area and knows that the compasses don't move, don't are affected by that phenomena, which shows it's not based upon the orthodox ideas of, of phenomena or, or conditions occurring in that area. It's because the inner sun is reflecting off the Van Allen belt that causes the aurora borealis, the colored lights that we see, and it tends to move around. A lot of people have heard about the hollow earth theory and they wonder who could possibly be living inside the earth well the connection with the extraterrestrials off the planet and the ones inside of our earth are well actually they're two in the same in many cases um they they enjoy the intergalactic travels of those beings inside the planet and so they are in fellowship with the extraterrestrials off the planet. And, uh, you know, science is starting to pick up on uh, the fact that uh, most of our planets in our solar system are populated on other dimensions. In fact, Richard Hoagland has just done a presentation before the United Nations that we were talking about before the show. And um, his presentation indicated that there are the beings on other worlds are interdimensional and that their their civilizations were quite advanced. In fact, the face on Mars, and he has done a lot of computer work showing the connection with the Sphinx and things. Now, this all connects to the inner Earth. Many times the ships are seen going in and out of the ocean, uh, going in and out of mountains, and uh, elsewhere around the globe, and people always go, well, where are they going? Why are they going inside the, the, the mountain for? Why are they going underwater for? You know, everybody always wants to know why don't they come and talk to us or why aren't they here on the earth why are they just flying through the sky the answer is they're not just flying through the sky they're actually going into a territory that they feel comfortable in that's right and so you know the the inner earth reality um, though it sounds absurd at first um, as you look into it further um, you'll see a connection there with a lot of things that are being discussed in the scientific community even nowadays in fact uh, one of the videos that we distribute is Richard Hoagland's presentation before the United Nation and it's it's very revealing it's it's very exciting that a science is finally saying, yes, um, there is extraterrestrial reality here throughout the universal realms as well as in our local solar system. And now it's coming down to, is there an extraterrestrial reality within the planet? And, uh, you know, having seen ships myself going in and out of the uh, ocean there in Malibu, because we have an incredible view there of the Pacific, it's, um, it's, it's a clear indication to me that, yes, there is something going on there. And Michael is the expert on mm. who these guys are. He what, has been studying this for great. many years. Let's find out about what they do in there and, and why are they inside. Well, first of all, when we're dealing with a culture such as the lives inside this planet, and as all planets are hollow, and uh, as you take a geode and you cut it apart, you find that most of the crystal is inside geode. Well, same thing here. We, we find a lot of crystal deposits and gemstones on the outer surface. It's nothing compared 
to the amount that exists inside the planet. This is what we've heard, that the biggest crystals right. are there. Uh, I mean, many, many people remember that movie that came out many years ago, Journey to the Center of the Earth, which was loosely fictionally based on the actual reality that the Earth is hollow. And, of course, many people were drawn to that. But beyond a fictional aspect, the reality of it is that this planet, as all planets, are hollow and that they live in crystal cities. They use crystal quite a bit and it is on higher worlds. Crystal, their suits are made out of crystals, very fine spun crystal, very comfortable, and their ships are made out of type of crystal metals. In fact, the Billy Myers contact case, when Marcel Vogel analyzed him, he found it was a 60 elements of crystal and metal combined together that we could not presently duplicate with our present level of technology on the outer Earth. In fact, the Billy Myers case, when uh, when he was given the crystal metal samples, that was really what authenticated the case from uh, the scientific community because uh, these crystal metal that he was given these um, these pieces of crystal metal from the ships and from the um, extraterrestrials indicated a cold fusion process. There was no way on Earth that we could duplicate. In other words, there was no heat involved in mercing these different materials together and they retained their structure even though they were interconnected. So this kind of scientific information makes people wake up and listen lots of times who are otherwise, you know, to put a deaf ear to it. Of course, that information was highly suppressed because, again, the established order does not want people to know that there are not only human-appearing extraterrestrials coming from other worlds that are benevolent, as well as beings inside the planet who are here to help us as well. And uh, one thing that the inner Earth beings are very concerned about, uh, not so much now as of a few years ago, was the nuclear situation because there used to exist between the orbits of Jupiter and Mars another planet, which was known at that time as Maldek, and eventually they had a thermal nuclear war 6,000 years ago, and we now have an asteroid belt. Well, the inner-Earth people on this planet were very concerned. They were concerned that we might end up in the same way, but this will not be allowed by the higher forces, even if we were in that jeopardized position. Now, it seems to me that if people are living or beings are living inside the Earth, then nuclear testing certainly affects them, doesn't it? Oh, yes, and this is something they are concerned about, but the Outer Earth people are also responsible for what our world leaders are are involved in. We can't sit by and pretend play ignorant anymore. We must find out, we must allow that information to come out to the surface, and so we've had an opportunity to meet many retired military intelligence people who have been documenting and, and releasing information pertaining to what we call black projects, that is, projects that are used for military purposes, but not for humanitarian or civil civil reasons. Now, it's once again, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but Go ahead. once again, I get the feeling that our government or our or, or an elite group of our government has decided that we are not able to understand this information and so it should be hidden from us. Well, I think it's it goes beyond not think, thinking that we can't understand it. I really feel that it goes beyond that because I think it's a matter of, of control. That they that if we were to know the reality of these beautiful human extraterrestrials who are intergalactic, who have solved all their problems on their planets concerning health and um, finance and uh, how to structure the planet so that all people can prosper and enjoy life, um, you know they've solved those problems a, a yeah, long right. time we're, ago. We're, we're, <laughs> right. So it's like why would we need the AMA when their health is so much far further advanced? Why? Would would we need the stock market? Why would we need banking? Why would we need uh, these politicians? And these <laughs> beings are so advanced that we would, we would, of course, say, yes, we, we want to be part of this intergalactic community. Well, yes. Uh, you know, the reason for the cover-up we were talking about, um, why is it that 
they haven't revealed to us this information. And, you know, the fact is that when Admiral Byrd went into the the Hollow Earth, he, he kept a diary about what he saw and what he experienced there, uh, the conversations he had there with the, with the being who met him. And this diary wasn't allowed to be released until after his death because he was afraid of what might happen to him had it been released. But upon his death, his his children went and released it to the public, and we happen to have a copy of it. We've also know his nephew quite well, and the the release of the information um, was was uh, was quite profound. It talks about a Buck Rogers type setting uh, uh, that he encountered when he came in. The fact that his his plane was totally controlled by them. When he started to go into the hollow earth, they took over the controls. A couple of spacecraft came alongside him. On this is all the stuff that's left out. Even when we see transcripts of the diary, this information has always been edited out, hasn't it? Yes, it has. But we have the complete copy, and it's 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 a small diary, because but it, it's quite I'm, explicit. Yeah, I'm saying now the reason I'm saying that is because there are people who will dispute what you've just said and say to you, "Here's the diary; it never said a word about that." Well, we have the experts from, excerpts from it that go in quite into detail about how the sh- the ships came alongside him, guided him into the hollow earth. Um, when he disembarked from the plane with his um, with his assistant Howie, um, he and Howie were guided by the extraterrestrials, and they got into an elevator, like a shaft type thing that took them, a conveyor belt type thing that took them along quickly, and then they were at a beautiful um, entranceway with large doors. They were led into this uh, room where this being sat who looked very intelligent, very wise-looking eyes, um, kind of a he had kind of an elderly look to him with like gray hair, white hair, and blue eyes. And he spoke about um, the civilization there on the inner levels and uh, what was going on there. And in fact, he um, he said, "Welcome to Agartha," you know. And he didn't at first. Admiral Berg didn't even know where he was, and uh, he so he. Um, he now, was in quite the, shocked. In the diary, of course, he talks about the fact that all of a sudden it was getting warmer. And warmer and greener and greener. Yeah, it was like and, a 70-some degrees. And, and this uh, is supposed to be the North Pole, where it is right. supposed to be very cold. Yeah, he found, in fact, he photographed a couple of photographs also. Uh, I have copies of the in the diary. And there's uh, some illustrations of sketches he did. One was of the mammoth creature that he observed as he was flying over the area. And uh, they at first thought it was a huge elephant, then they realized it was a mammoth. And it's quite interesting because of that, the fact a lot of the um, ivory, ivory that they have gotten are from the Bering, Bering Straits, whereas fr- mammoths have frozen when the cataclysm took place. The Earth shifted the outer surface, these mammoths, which were inside the planet, were found there frozen in the uh, very frozen area. Now, is this is this area, is this a docile area, or should we be afraid if we go in there? I mean... Well, first of all, let me are explain there other, something. Are there other negative civilizations in well, there? Well, the only negative ones exist in the Earth's crust. There are beings called the Darrows, uh, which, in fact, a guy named Richard Shaver back in the 1940s, and Fate Magazine, in fact, uh, uh, back many, many years ago, talked about the Darrows. And uh, it seems that Fate Magazine was a lot more unbiased many years ago, but having read some of the recent articles and only all about abduction, 
abductions. They talk only about the abductions and they put down the contactees, which in the past, when Maria Curtis, who owned that publication before she passed away recently, she seemed to be very uh, open to a lot of different things. But now it seems that many publications, in my opinion, have been taken over or there's a certain uh, orientation that they're now taking away from a more open uh, thing of presenting as much information as possible. But uh, Richard Shaver used to discuss the Daryls and the, these beings living inside the Earth's crust. So they kind of live like ants, ant colonies. In a way. But it's the inner Earth beings we're talking about, the Hollow Earth, the Garth, or Arany, as right. they're also but I want to make sure the people that are listening get the idea that, that there's a large crust mm-hmm. and that there are beings that live in the crust and then there are beings that actually live in the hollow earth, right. which wouldn't, if you were in there, you wouldn't really know that you were in there. That's very big, as I said before. It's huge. And it, you'd, be, you'd see kind of like a sky. It would be like, it would be far, and it would look basically like a sky. And there's total sunlight because the inner earth sun, the inner gas is formed as a sun, which is equal distant from the inside crust. Um Admiral Byrd, is he the only person who has documented uh The only one that I know of, uh, the main one who documented, there have been other explorers that have disappeared in those areas. Most people assume that they you know, lost their way and froze to death. Of course, we hear cases like Colonel Fawcett, who uh, back in, I think it was 1925, he was in South America looking for ancient cities. And even though he officially was reported to have died at a certain time, his wife reported 10 years after his reported death were received telepathic messages from him where he was still alive, having reached these inner Earth cities. Some of the cities inside the Earth's crust that were positive. All of South America, is, there are tunnel systems leading inside the planet. And so he, uh, I feel, one day will also return as Emil Bird when he left his physical body after he, he died, after he was injected with all kinds of drugs, and basically after he was interrogated by top security teams and a medical team. It, he did describe how much of an ordeal that was. Now he was retold, he was ordered under national security provisions of the United States of America to keep silent on the behalf of humanity. That's what the re- government told him. And so that later, if uh, rumors fly around that he saw something, they would say, well, he just hallucinated because they had projected him so many drugs in his body. I think that's, of course, what caused him to finally lose it and die. So once again, another whistleblower <coughs> bites the dust, so to speak. Um, what is the purpose, then, of, of our knowledge of, of the hollow earth? I mean, we know that there's a hollow earth now. Uh, what can we do with it? How can it help us? Can it help us? Well, I think like the human-appearing extraterrestrials, if our government would finally admit that there's a vast civilization living 800 miles below our feet who could give us aid and assistance, we would transform this planet and make it into a golden age. But again, because there's a few people at the top, the power brokers, they don't want to give up their position. So it appears that we're going to have to have divine intervention eventually to bring about this change. Now, we've heard, or at least I've heard, that some of these beings are 12 feet tall. You know, the usual stuff, the scary stuff. Is that is that true? Or? Well, the, some people have reported that. In fact, in the book, The Smoky Gods, that talks about this, uh, this fellow who was a boater from um, Norwegian. He was a Norwegian boater, who uh, fisherman, who, with his son, entered the um, the hole at the pole. It was and what an ordeal that was. The book is quite exciting. It's a fabulous book. I recommend that you know the listening audience uh, pick that book up if they can. Sometimes uh, you can find it used bookstores and things. And you know it was quite a wonderful tale about him going through the uh, the inner earth and. 
And later he uh, he settled down he, um, in California. Um, in fact, uh, this this fellow who was connected with him and, that, and began to tell the story of the inner earth and that. And uh, uh, the book I th- I thought was fabulous. I haven't met anybody from the inner earth that I know of, but the people in Mount Shasta, when Michael and I have been there, I talk about them quite readily. Readily, they always speak about the time uh, these people who come out and they present them with gold uh, t- pieces of gold. Well, that'd be nice, wouldn't it? And uh, that's a good say, reason for living in yeah. Shasta. You know, say, you know, can I buy this from you? And they give them a little piece of gold or something for it. Both Michael and I, as you've mentioned, have been contactees with the human appearing extraterrestrials. In fact, Michael's even been aboard the craft, and that's another show. Um, <laughs> right. He's been aboard the craft. He's that's another life. <laughs> he's had a he's had incredible experiences. I've had experiences since I've been eight years old, and Michael started when he was six, having his experiences. So it's been a lifetime of experiences with these human appearing extraterrestrials, and we can attest to their benevolent natures. Uh, real quickly, Michael, what is the difference between an abductee and a contactee? Well, the difference is also the experience. Uh, contactees like Aurora and I have had contact with the human-appearing ones that are very benevolent, very spiritual. And my experience is, uh, as I've said many times, it was uh, I've said you don't want to come back from that experience because I say to people, think of the most beautiful feeling you've ever had, say through meditation or in a very positive state, and multiply that about a hundred or a thousand times. The kind of state that we should also be experiencing down here but these beings are very benevolent very uh, loving very understanding and they took away the trauma of the the result of why i was aboard the ship was because of conditions that happened to me on this level it took me aboard to take away the trauma and also to activate me the second time in 1979 so i could do channelings for the star people to tune them into their mission and purpose so they could understand why they have volunteered to be on earth as a star being at this time and as far as abductees go i mean michael and i are on you know one side of the scenario where the contactees and uh with the human-appearing ones, the abductees who are being abducted by the renegade greys, as we call them, those greys who are absolutely um, not of love and light, but are instead, uh, you know, trying to use mankind for their own personal benefit and don't really respect human free will. No one has to be a victim. They can call upon the spiritual hierarchy to intervene in their lives. They can um, ask for that protection in their lives, and they can give up certain habits, perhaps, that are creating imbalances in their lives so that they were able to uh, uplift their nature is enough where the spiritual hierarchy can work with them and of course the spiritual hierarchy can work through anyone anybody can turn around at any point in their life and say i've had enough of this i want to get on now with something more positive i want to you know i want to move into a new realm and so anyone who is desirous of that of course the, the spiritual hierarchy hears and responds to michael I think that's important, that we don't have to be victims, that we can empower ourselves, and as sovereign beings, uh, be more in charge of our destiny and bring greater freedom onto the planet for ourselves and everyone else. Michael and Aurora Elegian, I'm very happy that both of you showed up. I appreciate that a lot. That's a long ride to come up here. And uh, I'd like to take this opportunity to thank all of you for tuning in. Timeless Voyager Radio, this is Bruce Stephen Holmes, and I hope that your own personal voyage through life towards the development of your highest potential is a joyous and successful one.